Hey Phil. Hey Laurie. How you doing? I'm good, yeah, I'm really good. Now before we actually start episode 67, oh no it's not 67, series season 2, episode 17 of the Super Belly Bros film show, I thought we should kick it off with a bang, because I'm just back from paternity leave, Yeah. and you know I'm really keen that we make the Super Belly Bros get on the map, like we're, we're sort of known but we keep reaching, we're like trying to shatter that glass ceiling and yeah. break out in the big time. Wait, get our big break, yeah. Exactly, yeah, so you need to keep you know thinking of ideas about how we can really establish ourselves in the public mindset but i thought what we could do today for example is have the show hosted by celebrities oh that's a great idea who who, who we've got on the um well i mean you, but you know why i would do that right because the thing is celebrities are really interesting people and actually they could more or less talk about anything and, and it would be quite interesting It'd be more interesting than us talking about it yeah so, like if you're a celebrity you matter don't you that's yeah beans on toast cooked by a celebrity that is interesting that is actually a youtube channel oh, you're was... joking no 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 no. that, that I'm, I'm imagining it actually it right beans now. on toast no, oh, no you no, think no. it could be it could be then it would be interesting, wouldn't it? I would actually watch it. And the thing is, it sounds like I'm being bitter, but I'm not. It would, it would genuinely be more interesting. See how, for example, Brad Pitt does Beans on Toast. I bet or, he does it. Or Ewan McGregor. Or Ewan McGregor as well. So, so who should we have host the show for us? Well, it's funny enough, I've actually managed to get some celebrities to come on. Well, and take your place. Yeah, I, I, I guess I've got to say goodbye because uh, in a moment, Ewan McGregor's going to join us. Ewan McGregor, fun. you're kidding. Yeah. Amazing. Ewan. So Ewan's going to be presenting in a yeah, second. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, as it happens, Phil, I also happen to know George Clooney. So I called him up just while we were talking by text, called him, texted him, and he said he was going to come as well. So in oh, a minute, great. Okay. I mean, I'll go and it'll be George. Fantastic. All right, so let's do it, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. Well, bye, guys. Nice talking to you. Yeah, yeah. See you later, guys. Hi, I'm George. Hi, I'm Ewan. And welcome to the Super Baby Bros Film Show. I'm George Clooney, that is. I'm Ewan McGregor. And we are hosting this film review show. Now that that's out of the way, Phil, what, sorry, uh, Ewan, <laughs> what are the films that we are reviewing this week? This week, I've got to see my own film. I've gone to see Beauty and the Beast. Oh, of course you were in it. I you was in Lumière. Lum- oh, yeah, I played Lumière with that's a great right. French accent. Oh, lovely, lovely. Yeah. And I went to see Life and Power Rangers this morning. Uh, anything else we're doing this week or are we just going to plough on? Should we I mention mean, about I know, Broads? I know that the that. Phil and Laurie have worked very hard on the broads, and I think uh, they haven't been able to sort it out for this week. So there's another week, actually, in fact, George. It's a good thing. There's plenty more time for nominations to come in. Exactly. And so if you didn't miss it, if you did miss it, last week's little mini treat that the boys did, that's got all the rewards categories. So you could listen to that, find out what things we're that they're doing, and then email in your nominations for that at superbabybros at gmail.com, or you can tweet us. Or them at Super Baby Bros. <laughs> Just don't nominate us for anything, okay? Oh yeah, <laughs> oh, oh. yeah. All right. Well, shall we get on with the show? On behalf of Laurie and Phil, Ewan. Yes, George. Let's go. Now, Ewan, I thought what we could do when we review Beauty and the Beast, Disney's new live-action remake, is well, our vocals can be a bit pitchy at time at times. I've noticed that. Uh, Laurie's dynamics especially fluctuate up and down all the time that is true and Phil I mean he's no he's not really that good at the old voice stuff so, so what are, we could give ourselves a bit of electronic assistance I mean not nothing over the top but just enough to polish up the raw vocals just tune it up a little bit like automatically it's a bit of auto-tune you could call it yeah. oh right okay yeah 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 so okay, let's okay. do that for this review and see whether it improves things because I, I hear that you can't even tell the difference anyway you can't tell the difference yeah you can't. Exactly. It's, it's almost seamless so Ewan what, what have you been seeing Taylor's oldest time Beauty and the Beast uh, I've got to see Beauty and the Beast I'm in this film as Ewan McGregor playing Lumiere, <laughs> the candlestick man This is uh, a remake, a live action remake Of the classic Disney animation 
uh, much beloved by Phil, I believe. I've heard he's uh, a big fan of it. Oh, yeah. And I think most of the listeners of this show probably have already seen the cartoon, the cartoon classic, and know it very well. It's part of their childhood, probably, mm-hmm. or they've shown it to their kids. Do you think there's a chance that there are some people who have not seen it? Well, funnily enough, a couple of uh, friends of mine have not seen the original Disney cartoon, and their first experience of Beauty and the Beast ever was seeing the live-action remake. Interesting. Because it's occurred to me that Disney, that's probably their number one excuse for doing this. They want to bring it to a new generation. And if that is actually the case, then I guess it's justified. Mm, We shall (laughs) see. We shall see. So this is a French classic fairy tale. It follows a beauty, Belle, in this film, played by Emma Watson. She is a lovely lady. She's very intellectual. She's not like the other girls of the village in this little French town. Anyway, she, uh, over the course of a various series of events, ends up trapped in a castle by a beast, would you believe it? I would believe it. An enchanted uh, prince who has been cursed, and unless he finds love within a certain time frame, he will be a beast forever. And for whatever reason, he's decided he's going to trap this beauty in his castle. And the whole film revolves around that sort of dynamic. Beauty and the Beast, is there love in spite of ugliness? Mm, it's a bit shrecky. <laughs> <laughs> or vice versa. Anyway, uh, I don't think I need to introduce the plot at all. I'm going to start with a clip because then we can get into it. Okay, let's do it. So here we have Lumiere, who is one of the also an enchanted person. He is turned into a candlestick by this curse of this prince. And the whole castle, all of the staff, all the people in it have been transformed into objects. And here we have him sort of encouraging the rest of the staff to really get behind the idea that maybe this bell, this girl who's trapped in the castle, might be the one to free the beast from his curse. And in order to do that, she needs to be taken care of. And so this is the build-up to that famous Be Our Guest song. They're coming! Final checks, everyone! Two tweets! No, you don't. If the master finds out you violated his orders and fed her, he will blame me! Yes, I will make sure of it. But did you see us stand up to him? I am telling you, this girl is the one. They must fall in love if we are to be human again. And how can they fall in love if she stays in our room? Hey, chapeau, you missed this spot. No, she'll never love him. A broken clock is right two times a day, mon ami, but this is not one of those times. Stand up straight. It's time to sparkle! Hey! Mm, I have no taste buds, but I can tell this is exquisite. You and may I say, what a cracking French accent. Thank you. I've been working on it for quite a while. We can all tell. Yeah, it's spectacular. Now, Laurie, I feel like I need to do the normal person's review of this film first before I go into my own. The normal person. The normal person. And just review. remember, my name is George. I, I don't <laughs> know where you got Laurie from, but that's not a problem. <laughs> A normal person, I think, would really like this film. They're going to have a great time. It's got all the bits that you'd love, all the bits that you'd hope might be in this Beauty and the Beast film. And it's a very well-made film. It's a very slick production. It's got some nice visual effects. It's got some stars in it. It's got a couple of good, catchy songs that are undeniably good, regardless of who is singing them. Yeah, yeah. And so, basically, uh, and no surprise to anyone, Beauty and the Beast, the live-action film, is pretty decent. It's a pretty decent film. Okay. That's what I think most people is that, I mean, say. That, is that it? I mean, it took about, about 40 seconds there. Yeah, so the normal person, I think, probably give this a B-. minus. B- really, a B-? I think that's lower than a lot of people have been giving it. A normal person might give this a B+. Plus. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah. But the thing is, I'm not a normal person, and I think I've made my feelings on uh, all of this stuff going on with Disney and their remaking of their classic films. I've made it quite clear on the podcast that I am very much not happy with it as a trajectory. I'm, I, I think it bodes poorly for the future of Disney films. And unfortunately... 
I really, 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 really did not like this film. Okay. Now, but, you, well, you've just said it has a nice production, good design. The visual effects aren't clunky. They look good. It's got good songs. It's enjoyable. So t- tell me, do you hate any of those things or do you hate stuff that's around it? I hate everything that's around it and the context in which Disney is making this film. But also, I think the the imagery, the metaphor that I would want to compare it to is you know how on the X Factor, you know, you get some very talented singers and everything like that. You bet. And they've got some serious vocal range and la la la. They could properly belt it's it good, out. Man. It's really yeah. good. Yeah. And when they do like a cover, they always do covers on the X Factor, don't they? And they yeah, always cover yeah, it. Yeah. And you could get the your absolute favourite song, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. And you've got this guy who's super talented singing it. And you're like, great, I love this song. And here's this guy who's really talented doing this song. But then you're like, ah, I prefer the Queen version. Of course you do. Of course you do. Of course you do. Of course you do. I can't think of almost any covers I like more than the original, except perhaps All Along the Watchtower by Jimi Hendrix, Phil. And noticeably, that one, that one cover, and I thought about that as a kind of... Did a, you? As an example of something which sometimes is better. That, that version of that song is completely different to the Bob Dylan version. Yes. And it's almost unrecognisable, I that's would say. Tr- yeah, that's fair enough, yeah. So my real problem with this film is I can't escape the fact that I love the original cartoon. I think the original cartoon is, in fact, a masterpiece. And what we have with Beauty and the Beast is, in fact, a film that makes the Jungle Book live action remake that I was not a fan of. No, neither of us were. Look actually quite good. And actually, (laughs) I feel a lot more happy about the Jungle Book remake now, having seen the Beauty and the Beast remake. Explain yourself. I just think everything about this film that is working for audiences, everything that is connecting with them, everything that they're enjoying, is just stolen. It's just stolen from the original. And that comes through right the way through. There's not a single bit in this film that is good that isn't borrowed and completely remade from the original source material. Okay. There's a couple of points where I think the film is fatally flawed that I want to highlight. And I think primarily the cast is not in service of the film. Well, I think we both already can tell that because um, I haven't seen this film listeners. I really wanted to, but couldn't squeeze it in. But from the trailers, Emma Watson in particular seems to be a ghastly casting choice to me. It's just a very odd casting choice because it doesn't seem like she's particularly bellish and she doesn't seem to exhibit the qualities that you'd think would be perfect for this sort of role. She's not an amazing singer. as you No. Can, lots of people have been talking about the auto-tune sound of her particular songs. She's not an amazing actress in this film in particular. There's a sort of cheesy quality to her that's overly dramatic. Um, and that's unfortunately not where the only problems are. Because you've also got Luke Evans as Gaston. I you've like got Luke Evans, yeah. Ewan McGregor as Lumiere, my, myself. And then also you've got Emma Thompson as uh, Mrs. Cobblepot or whatever, the little teapot thing. Potsworth? Cogs- I can't remember. Yeah, Mrs. You know, Mrs. Yeah, Potts, Mrs. Mrs. Potts. Mrs. Potts, okay. And then you've also got uh, the guy from Downton Abbey, Dan... Dan Stevens. Dan Stevens as the Beast. I think basically every single one of the major castings, with the exception of one, I think are designed for the adults. They're not in service of the film. And does that mean you're basically saying they're not voice actors? Because a lot of those are vocals only, right? Not just that, but they're, the only reason that they've been cast is because of the name associated yeah, with fine, them. Yeah, fine, fine. It's a draw and saying, oh, it's got this person, it's got this Hermione person, this person. being right at the top, right. Yeah, and they're not actually that well cast for the film. They don't really serve those characters. I think Hugh McGregor, a Scottish guy doing a French accent <laughs> who can't sing very well in a French accent, isn't really in service of Lumiere, a character who really needs to be charming and endearing. Uh, having Luke Evans be a ridiculously handsome sort of in love with himself guy when I think he's not not kind of the most cookie cutter-ish version of a handsome you could find 
isn't really in service of the character either. Having Emma Thompson, a not very old lady, playing an old lady who's very nice and dithery compared to Angela Lansbury isn't in service of the film. The only exception I would say to the casting, which I think was in fact very good, was Josh Gad as LeFou. This is the guy who plays the snowman in Frozen. Yeah, he's the voice of the for Frozen guy. He can sing and perform it. He is very good as LeFou, the sort of sidekick to yeah, Gaston. Yeah, yeah. And he gives a very nice performance and he sings well. His little He was the one guy who had a line in the film which really, really made me smile. And that's during the No One Fights Like Gaston song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he starts spelling Gaston's name and then realises he doesn't know how to spell it, but he's singing it. And that is, is a funny, <laughs> is a funny moment. I can picture that. And he, they do it well. He, does, he delivers that line well. Um, but other than that one piece of casting, I don't think they've really nailed any single part of it. How disappointing. Can I ask, one of the things that really struck me with the cast and the production design, which you described as slick earlier, was that the costumes and the lighting and the set design look like Disneyland to me. You know, when you wander around and you see the actress who is Belle from Beauty and the Beast, that's what her costume looked like. And that's what the whole thing felt like to me. Is that borne out? Yeah, they basically have transposed this film. It's not a remake. It's not a reimagining. It is a literal sucking of something from over there and placing it in a new context. Isn't that just tacky then? It Unfortunately, I think it is because the lighting doesn't look uh, rich and warm and inviting. It doesn't look like a magical world. It looks overly exposed, overly lit. So it makes it look like a pantomime. Yeah, okay. And then the costumes, they really have literally taken the original design, the 2D animation look of the costumes and just plonked them on real Well, that's real what people. I can't understand because I, I think if you're remaking it so that a new generation of people can enjoy Disney's version of it, blah, 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 then there's no need to do that kind of cookie-cutter thing with the costumes. But then doesn't that kind of expose what Disney is doing in this film? It isn't really about making a good film. It's not really about trying to do something new with a property and saying, look, that film exists. That's a great film. But we could do more with this story. Yeah, we could okay. do a kind of dark, more twisted. Well, sort as of, you said, with the Jungle Book, right? Yeah. Add some new elements, make it interesting, kind of transform and shift these characters into a new version. Part of the whole appeal of fairy tales is that they shift and move over time and they kind of reflect the culture they're in. So that, that idea of reimagining a fairy tale is fine. But they're not wanting to reimagine a fairy tale. They're wanting to remake the original film got and it, make money it, off it. of it. And the other, the second big crime that I have... <laughs> out of how many, sorry? Out of uh, three, three. Okay, speed, so speed we're, it up, speed we're it up. Away. The second big crime is the fact that I think they're suggesting that animation is an ineffective form of storytelling. Oh, mm, that's a bigger question. You think you can tell that from this film alone? I think so, because they constantly seem to be adding things uh, to try and make it better or more than the original animation, as if the animation didn't do a good job before. But actually, I think it exposes the fact that animation, I think, is better suited for these sort of films. Well, it's superior because it applies your imagination. You you have a part to play in bringing these cartoon characters to life. That's why it always works. But do you have any specific examples? So, do you remember the wolves in the original animation? That's I do. They were scary. They were very scary. They had these glowing yellow eyes. I really remember it. They were gnashing at uh, Maurice's uh, ankles as he tried to get away. Fast forward it. That part of the tape was ruined. Yeah, it was (laughs) genuinely terrifying with his horse Philippe. You know, it was horrible. It really, really sunk in deep. They have all the moments from the the, the, the animation in this film. So there is a bit where Maurice is running away from wolves. Yeah, okay. There's a bit when Belle tries to escape and then wolves come after her and the beast has to rescue her. Those wolves aren't scary. They're sort of these weird grey CGI things. And rather than being these sort of deadly beasts that could are just vicious and wanting to snap at you... 
they just seem like kind of dogs and it seems a bit almost harsh that the beast throws them in, into a tree <laughs> like oh poor dog <laughs> you know what i mean and so i hear what you're saying so suddenly you have this scene which is very effective in the original which now doesn't have the same amount of fear or scariness or intensity and that reflects through the entire movie. The love, emotional scenes aren't as effective. The intense, serious scenes aren't as effective. There's a, there's, do you remember the bit towards the end when the beast is a bit depressed and everyone's coming to his castle? I do, yeah. And he says one line, which I always remembered. Uh, do you it remember seems what like it it's hit Phil in his heart. Tell me. It's like, let them come or whatever. That's right, isn't and it? He, and he just doesn't care and he's completely... The, the film takes that exact line and does it again and it just has no impact. Oh, that's really sad. And when they, when eventually people turn up at the castle and there's a bit of a battle, you, that, that's a very memorable scene from the original. This film does it again. You think, oh, great. Well, maybe they'll expand on this part. And they do try to, but it's less effective. Do it they le- have the bit where the guy runs into the wardrobe and comes out in his underpants or wearing ladies' clothes? I can't remember what it was. They do something similar to do that. Do they so actually? Because you, you can't do that in live action. That's just so silly. The, the wardrobe vomits up clothes okay. and suddenly they're all dressed in girls' clothes and one of them quite likes the fact he's in girls' clothes. Really? Yeah. Oh, ha ha ha. Well done, Disney. And, I mean, you're hitting on the main points. The, my main problem is that everything good, everything that works well in this film, is just reimaginings of what the moments, not, not just the ideas and not just the story, but the moments in the previous film that really worked. Scene for scene the style. moment when the beast sort of slumps down because he's completely exhausted yeah. from being attacked by wolves. It's exact moments that have been tried to be transposed into this film and are less effective. The, the big confrontation between Beast and the villain in this film... That is less well done. Instead of having a stake and something... Come on, that's the bit where he goes, Bell is mine! And he says mine as the thunder Yeah, that doesn't happen in the film. No, you're kidding. Instead, they have a gun. And it's it's kind of a bit... Bell is mine! I love that. It's it's such a good vocal (laughs) delivery. It sticks in my head. Exactly. There's so many good moments in the classic Disney animation. And instead, we get this, which is kind of good. And it's not that there's not talent. There's not that there's not thought and care. And it's not that the original ideas aren't there. It's just, you don't want to see a cover. You want to see the real yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, come on. Here, here, was, here was a point three, because we got some listener emails on Beauty and the Beast as well. I mean, that was my point three. Everything, oh, was it? Everything okay. good is from the previous film. <laughs> well, you already said that. That's kind of point one and three. Okay. Tell me, was there anything that you, you liked that was new at all or not? I just don't think it adds much. There are some a bit more expansions to the intro. You get a bit more time with the, the prince, sort of why he's a bit cruel and mean. And there's a bit of a backstory to him and his father and things like that. And what the enchantress is doing yeah, yeah. Uh, when she curses him. So they do try and expand that. They add a couple of songs. I personally don't think they added much. And I think they just kind of drag the pace down. Is it a longer film? Yeah, it is much longer. Um, I think it's about two hours plus. I felt the film was starting to drag because you're basically waiting for it to kick into gear with the things which you're already familiar with. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's it's a very disappointing film for me as a fan. What do, what do the listeners think? I'm sure I'm in the minority. Well, do you want to re- uh, reiterate your this is what a normal person thinks for you? Just to remind people, bookend it that way. The normal person is probably going to have a good time. They're probably going to enjoy hearing the songs again because they're great songs. They're probably going to enjoy seeing uh, the things which they remember on a big screen yeah, yeah. in a live action way. And they're probably going to enjoy the characters because they're really good characters. There we go. And they would give it a B plus. What does Phil give it? I, I would give it a C minus. Right. Because it is just needless. And I don't think it's particularly well done. I think it's clunky. Shall I give you some listeners thoughts and then I can get you some bonuses from you because they're running long? Yep. Cool. We've got an email here from Mr. and Mrs. Khan. Dear SBBs. Oh, they've uh, given us a broad nomination. We'll come back to that, uh, Cons. Uh, they're talking about Beauty and the Beast later on. They say, 
Given the appalling clip of Emma Watson singing in the publicity trailer, it was a great relief that actually the singing was pretty good all the way through, apart from that particular clip. The new songs were appropriate and in the recognisable style. The makers held their nerve in sticking to the same approach to scenes and lines, yet managed to give freshness to the scenes with added depth and more subtle emotions than were possible in the original animation. Also, nice cameos from Ewan McGregor. Congratulations, Ewan. Yeah, thank uh, you. Emma Thompson and the bloke who played Gaston, Luke Evans. It's not the bloke who played Gaston. Luke Evans was in The Hobbit. He was barred. He was uh, in High Rise. He's quite up and coming, actually. Uh, Ian McKellen didn't have much to do or else wasn't trying. And Stanley Tucci, didn't know he was in it, was okay, but not given much to do. Dan Stevens was very good while he was the Beast, but not quite so compelling as the Prince. And even Kevin Klein showed some subtlety in the role of Belle's father. Emma Watson was an appealing yet feisty Belle, true to the character of the story. We think she did a good job, so all in all we enjoyed it. P.S. Special mention goes to the excellent galloping of the horse, which looks stunning riding home on its own. I'm going to have to disagree, no surprise. I think uh, Emma Watson's character, the kind of reimagining of Belle, I think is quite odd because she's already quite an independent woman character. She's not interested in the sort of hunk of the guy. She's interested in books and learning and education. She's caring of her father. She's pretty much the standard like bearer for good princesses you could find. But in this film, they decide that she's also a, a magical inventor who knows how to make a laundry machine using a horse and a barrel. <laughs> Genuinely, 100%. Okay. And also, right. she's, she's the only one who's willing to teach girls how to read and because she's teaching girls how to read the whole village turns against her and tips her laundry what, out wow i mean what does she get it's, them to read suffragette well uh, exactly it's, so, it's sort of bizarre <laughs> like it, she's already a good character she doesn't need more sort of empowerment and yet they, I think the so film you, crams you just, it in you've just got to let, them, you've more, got to let them do this because more empowerment they, they are disney they're capital d disney they can't do anything else they've set themselves up as the kingdom of dreams as the people who empower children and light up their imaginations so if they don't go full-blown on this stuff then they'll have people complaining but i did wonder because basically you've got a scene in the movie which is saying girls shouldn't know how to read like even though they're trying to correct that they don't really make much of an effort to correct it's that a idea. We've said this before, the deeper Disney digs in trying to overcompensate for their past failure with Disney princesses, the more problems they're going to encounter. It's, it's a lose-lose situation for them, but it doesn't stop them raking it in at the box office. Uh, just a response to the Beast. I think he is better as the Beast than he is as the Prince. I think he's quite a weird-looking guy for the Prince. Um, the Beast, I don't think, is scary enough, um, okay. which links into that Wolves thing I was saying. And I think he's kind of got a different sort of character. He's a bit more petulant and less sort of ferocious and angry and bitter. It's sort of a childishness and sort of, well, fine, go off, do your thing. Which I think isn't isn't necessarily the right character for the Beast. Interesting. Okay, thank you very much, Mr. and Mrs. Khan. I hope you <laughs> enjoy completely disagreeing with Phil there. That's technically a minus one for you, Phil. Oh, no, no, no. They I have to so. then. They, they, might they complete... specifically said the way that they referenced the old movie was good, whereas that's the thing you number one hate. Well, let's see. Maybe they, I've convinced them something else. I've got another one. Here we go. Angeline tweeted and said, Guys, good news. She sent us a little while ago. At <laughs> uh, Be Our Guest, that's Beauty and the Beast, is enchanting. So, so much better than I was expecting. Made me think. It's possibly the best Disney story. What, the original story? The, just the just story the idea itself, of it. yeah. I, yeah, I, the thing which I was reminded of was that, and this is, goes back to the normal person review, is the film works, the story works. It's a really good story with good characters that you care about. And those songs are just incredible songs. Even though I did not like the songs in this film because they weren't at good covers, I was still humming the Beauty and the Beast songs for like four or five days after seeing the film. Oh, there we go. Be Look, the, the clock guess. is running. The clock is we running, do do. Ewan. 28 minutes. Sorry, so that's if outrageous. Cut, cut stuff out. You'll know I have, but we need to move on. Sorry. Thank you very much. 
Now, you and I went to see uh, a new teen drama film this morning, uh, dealing with a variety of issues, uh, shot very, very well, uh, and it's kind of coming of age. It's also how to overcome uh, the sort of natural difficulties that you might have in your home life or you, just as a person. Classic teen movies. Yeah, sort of yeah, exactly. Should we play a clip from that and then we can get going on the review? Yeah, sounds good. Okay, here's a clip, uh, and this features Dacre Montgomery as Jason and Naomi Scott as Kimberly, and they're overlooking a beautiful, soft focus, nighttime view of their small town and just discussing the various problems they have. So, should we hear that? Yeah, let's hear that. Here we go. My house is on the other side of the mountain. I hike these trails sometimes, clear my head, and I stare down at Angel Grove and wonder how such a small crap town could cause me such misery. <laughs> that funny to you? I just, I feel the same way. Yeah, Jason Scott, star quarterback, crashes and burns, destroys his career and destroys our season. Go Tigers. Yeah, now I walk around town and everyone's looking at me like I ran over their dog. So why don't you leave? You know, just go. I could leave here, you know. Where? Got it, anywhere. So let's go. <laughs> what? You'd never do it. Try me. Oh, you and me? You got a car? I have a van. Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> it's not that kind of van. Every van is that kind of van. I quite like that scene. That's, you kind of get the characters, there's good sort of performances. Well, yeah, I mean, like I say, Phil, it's the setup for a classic teen drama where, you know, there's going to be an event that will bring these people together and they'll learn how to overcome their difficulties, maybe learn how to make real friends and recognise that life is bigger than their small town. Yeah, it sounds good. What's what, sort of, what sort of event do you think might, might change things for them? Uh, is there a, some sort of a, uh, maybe a, an accident in the school or something like that? No, no, actually, that, no, not quite. No, it's not as downbeat as that. Okay, maybe um, a fire. Well, fire is involved as it happens. Actually, oh, okay, that's right. I mean, the sequence there is at a gold mine, and um, I think it's a gold mine anyway. Gold some mine. kind of mine. Yeah, that's right. And so they're, they're skipping out there where they shouldn't be, and something big, pretty big happens because they're joined by one of their other mates, Billy Cranston, and uh, a couple of other guys join them. A guy called Zach, who's crazy. He describes himself as crazy, and another girl called Trini as well, who's a bit sort of withdrawn. She doesn't really introduce herself. And before they know it, Billy, the science whiz, oh Billy, you know, he sets off a little explosion doing some exploration and a big last thing is revealed um and they start chipping away at it they find these odd sort of jewels in the wall in the wall uh, in the wall that's right yeah and then when the mines alarms go off because they're where they shouldn't be they drive away they get hit by a train and before they know it they wake up the next day just in bed they don't even know how they got there but they're in bed and they're kind of buff and they're kind of strong and they're go go power rangers that's the event as it happens that brings this teen drama together yeah i saw power rangers and isn't that weirdly kind of got a bit of quality to it i thought that genuinely i thought that clip had some good quality the first scene i could not have expected maybe i shouldn't give it away here because i don't want to spoil stuff for people but uh, well no let me let me do this because there's no way you predicted this being the first sequence and i thought well what kind of film am i in for it featured a really bizarrely risque joke about milking a male cow and then immediately follows by a car chase that is really quite well filmed it features a camera inside the car panning around and some just quite good action i thought what 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 film am i in (laughs) am i actually in power rangers 
uh, it goes downhill from there at quite alarming speed. Does it? But in quite a satisfying way. You know how when you have some remakes, they try so hard to make it serious and it just brings you down and you feel sad that they're yeah. trying to make something out of nothing. This one doesn't really do that. Actually, it stays lighthearted. It stays optimistic. It stays wide-eyed. It really hits that teenage, awkward teenage dynamic. Let's all get to know each other. We're all outsiders. Let's be friends. It hits that really, really well with some good dialogue, some terrible dialogue. And then it is happy to be really, really cheesy when they start fighting the putties, which is what they're called, the, the bad putties. guys that turn up. Do you not remember putties in Power oh, Rangers? Oh, are those the sort of weird ones that you just wiggle and they That's kind right, of go, yes. yeah, yeah. They just call them putties and they fight. And there's a really awesome fight sequence, which is lit and staged exactly the same way that those fight sequences used to be in the Power Rangers TV show. But it's done in a kind of loving way. It genuinely is a souped up version of the TV show. And I'm so pleased that that's what the film was. Because if you remember, we made fun of the trailer. We really did make fun of it. And we made fun of it again because we made, well, we made fun of uh, Brian Cranston being in well, the film. Well, I'll come on to Brian Cranston in a minute. But one of the key things we laughed at was that, well, don't we really want to see it, you know, bring the seriousness of the story out. The quality. And we really want to see it remade. Actually, I thought Power Rangers is old. There's absolutely no reason why it shouldn't be remade, especially when they've done it as well as this. It's exactly like a TV show. It's got exactly the same writing quality, it looks exactly the same. It feels the same. It's just a souped-up version of it. I quite liked that. And it gave a bit of fun, did it? It was fun. I had more fun in this film than I did either of the other two. Spoiler for the other reviews. Sorry about that. Um, because it was exactly, it knew exactly what it was. It delivered exactly what it was. Brian Cranston is hilarious. Is he? He's, well, yeah, he is. Uh, as is the robot as well. Alpha 5, played by Bill Hader. Such oh, a good yeah. choice. Such a good choice. And he, he plays it really, really well. There's one bit where Zordon appears as the face in the wall, if you remember that. Yeah, yeah. And the robot just turns around and goes, look, it's Zordon! <laughs> It's great, man. It's a great line. And Bill Hader delivers it really well. Brian Cranston's intro in this film is one of the funniest intros I've ever seen because you're just suddenly like, oh, that's Brian Cranston. Snap. And you never thought you'd see Brian Cranston playing that kind of role. And I think the filmmakers have a lot of fun with it. It's directed by a guy called Dean Israelite, who I admit I've never heard of before. Is that uh, a made-up name? No, no, I don't think so. And he's done, I think he must have done slightly smaller budget films. Uh, the last one he did was something called Project Almanac, which, uh, yeah, again, I've not heard of, but it looks like one of those slightly B-movie-ish sci-fi films, which makes him a perfect choice. And he does have little touches of directorial flair here and there, like that car chase I mentioned at the beginning. There are little moments where it's better than it has any right to be. It doesn't stop it being really stupid. And it wants to set itself up as a franchise. But of all the sort of franchise movies out there, I'd be perfectly happy for this one to just go ahead. There's some disappointingly Transformers-like action when they get the Zords out. Oh, yeah, the Megazord's not good. Uh, well, it does the, it's just a bit Transformers-y because they have that same problem Transformers has of scale uh, compared to people in small towns and the fact that they have to be done in CGI. And so, you kind of want the people in a weird big suit in like a fake city. Doing yeah, it. well, actually, what you know, in the TV show, they often were just in the desert. Do you remember that? And <laughs> yeah. they, they were just, You're always in the desert or in a city. <laughs> One so, time, I remember seeing a show, and sorry, Dad, I, I watched the show even though we weren't allowed to uh, on occasion. I remember one time during the show, they, they're fighting like in a desert. And then during the like the Megazoid fight, that, that always happens when the monster gets big. They're suddenly in a city. And like yeah, vice yeah, versa. Just suddenly they just move yeah, over to that, a new yeah. place because that's where it needed to be filmed. Well, like, the original series was filmed in really odd ways, wasn't it? It's famous for it because uh, I think it had 
the fighting scenes and the action sequences were filmed, I think, in Japan for an alternative series. And then the dramatic scenes were just filmed with American actors, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, and, and then they just merged it together. It's one of the reasons why their suits, you can't see their face. And I think that's part in this film. They don't really, ha- they don't really wear their suits that often, and they very rarely have their face shields on so you can see the actors, which is quite a nice change-up. But it means you don't get that quite... same quality. Exactly the same slightly cheap quality uh, that the original did. I think you've got to give a nod to Elizabeth Banks, uh, She of Scrubs, and the Hunger Games, so she played Effie. Uh, what else? She's done lots of things, hasn't she? She's been. She's one of the. She's in Pitch Perfect. Um, she's yeah. one of the judges, and she's sort of been around a lot. You probably recognise her, but she's not a major Almost major star. But you know, she's great in this. She hams it up in a very pleasing way. She's really well cast. She gives it her all, and she seems to be delighted to be playing the bad guy, basically. Um, so I think it is exactly what you expect, and in some ways. It's even better than what you expect because it's way more faithful to the spirit of the TV show. It's not, you know, just collecting the IP and trying to do a cash grab, in my opinion. I think it's resurrecting something that was long dead. (laughs) It was, you know, deservedly dead of its time and happily putting it back on screen. And having fun with it. Exactly. And, you know, one thing I was amazed by, Phil, was that I saw this one at the cinema. I didn't see it at a screening. And I chatted to the guy behind the desk when I was getting my ticket. And he said, oh, the film I'm most excited about today is Power Rangers. And I was like, really? I'm surprised by that. And he went on to tell me that he's met Tommy from, you know, the original Power Rangers (laughs) a couple of times. You know, he loves to go to the conventions. (laughs) He knows the story seriously. And I thought this is this is really cool because I never I never thought of Power Rangers as having devoted fans like that. But apparently it does. And can you imagine how glad they're going to be to see it on TV again? So, yeah, there we go. All in all, listeners, it's not disappointing. It's incredibly cheesy. I think it's good fun. If it makes it onto TV, it's the kind of thing I will happily watch during, you know, a summer break or something. Just have it on in the background. Very, very enjoyable. Not a good movie. It would get a B from me. But, but good popcorn fun. Definitely good popcorn fun. And the cast are good. You know, I mean, they're all relatively unknowns to me, except the big players, Brian Cranston and Elizabeth Banks. Let me reel them off. Dacre Montgomery is Jason. Naomi Scott is Kimberly. RJ Siler is Billy. Ludi Lynn is Zach. Becky G is Trini. Um, yeah, that's kind of all you really need to know. I recognise exactly zero of those well, names. Well, there you go. And But that's cool as well. I always love a film that is prepared to cast relative unknowns. I think it's more interesting that way because it enables you to see them as the characters, doesn't it? You're not, I mean, can you imagine if they'd done the classic thing and cast really major stars as the Power Rangers? How annoying mm, would that be? Yeah, yeah, true, true. Anyway, yeah, that's enough for me, I think. It'd be I, fine. I do think I kind of want to see this film. Yeah, I have to be honest. You probably enjoy it. It's, it's offbeat and it's got really cringy moments. It moves very fast and... But it's, yeah, it's enjoyable. There Any bonuses? Uh, not exactly a bonus, but I will say kudos to the film. Kudos, kudos, whatever, however you pronounce that kudos. phrase. To the film for being willing to show a training montage that actually didn't feel like a Team America montage. You know, <laughs> we're making su- fun of it. <laughs> yeah, and like suddenly the massive transformations have happened in zero time. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But they, they just fight. They, they try to learn how to fight and they're not very good at it. But I believe it was quite a nice one. It was nicely paced. It was The music was quite fun. Good synthy soundtrack at different points. I like montages. They're fun. And this one is quite good, but then it completely undercuts itself where later on they had to learn for ages how to do like a punch and then <laughs> literally they suddenly know how to pilot fighter jets <laughs> there's no montage, need, no montage needed for that so yeah there you go that that's me out man morphin time stegosaurus <laughs> so i'm gonna spring this on you as a little mini breather between more reviews you, <laughs> you always spring stuff on i love these. to spring stuff oh natural reactions are always the best you're like laurie springsteen no you're like george springsteen george Spring. what are you <laughs> <laughs> Did I call you? Can we, can we? You're Ewan. You're Ewan. Don't forget it. 
Come on, they're more interesting people. Like, come Celebrities. On. Here we go, here we go. Um, Ewan, what is your film diet like? Diet like? Yeah, what's your film diet? Oh, uh, I've watched a lot of, a lot, a lot, a lot more rom-coms than I probably would like to admit. Are you worried that your rom-com intake is too high? What, like it's bad for me? Like I'm getting yeah, too much you sugary could be. expectations. Exactly. And, yeah. yeah, maybe, maybe. What would balance it out? What would constitute a balanced film diet for you? Balanced film diet? I probably need to watch more films which are dramatic. Why? Why do you say that? Because... I I like cheesy films. I like fun films. I like mo- movies with poppy soundtracks. Entertainment and, style. Yeah, I like very like low level movies. I need to get more sort of intense like stretching me films. Why do you say you need to? Do you think that you do you think there is such a thing as a balanced film diet we should all be aiming for? Like I haven't got enough classics in my diet right now. You think now. not? Not okay. at all. Like I, I need classics. to get those. You need to get your vitamins, don't you? I think and you like can buy them mashed up together as a smoothie. <laughs> just blend them together. <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> just watch like can. a YouTube review. It's like one of those a thousand movies to see before you die thing. Just read the summaries. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well exactly. And the thing is I've done a lot of that but there's not you can't get the good quality. You don't get the nutrients <laughs> That's right, you isn't it? Teenage proteins. You need, to, you need to eat the the whole thing, you know. Yeah. Don't wash it. So what, if you were to genuinely, I mean, this is sort of half stupid, half serious. Genuinely, what do you think a good film diet looks like? Do you think it is a risk to only watch the same type of movie? Because I realised while I've been on paternity leave, for example, I've watched a lot of sci-fi. I've watched a lot of sci-fi TV shows and sci-fi films. And I find I love them because I love the atmosphere and I love how immersive they can be. But I suddenly realised I was getting too sci-fi. Like I, was, I felt like I was living in a sci-fi <laughs> world. Do you know what I mean? That happens to you after a while. You start seeing sort of conspiracies around every corner or whatever. I do think films do affect everyone more than you realise. And I think yeah. they, they affect your mood a lot more. So when you're watching rom-coms lots and things like that, you, you, can't, you start trying to make your life into rom-com. And of course it can't be. It's Life isn't really like a rom-com because rom-coms you have those sort of awkward fights that then you resolve magically and things like that. That's not good for relationships. That's let me tell true. You. Yeah, no, they're, they're often at the extremes, aren't they? You go to highs and lows very fast in a rom-com. And so that's why you need to, you need to have a bit more of a reality check. The real and, life. And sometimes they're films which I think are genuinely are good for you. you. Like you need to just watch them and appreciate them and and Schindler's learn list. something new yeah exactly Shinner's List 12 Years it's a Slave It's a Wonderful Life yeah all those sort of films which you kind of think oh, I, ne- I really should watch that film um, and you just can't psych yourself up for it you know and that's the thing you need to get those you need to you see, get them down get them inside you I think if you think about your own film diet and then look at the cinema for example I think cinema often does not have a balanced diet because I think you know art house and indie stuff needs to be in there I mean no one ever likes to eat it it's like Brussels sprouts but it's an important part of the diet and the cinema is too full of blockbusters man you eat too many blockbusters that liver of yours is going to give out <laughs> But the thing is, art house films, they're like licorice, you know. Do you like, think so? Some people are just like, blech. <laughs> I don't really have much more to add on this. It basically, on my notes, it just said film diet. <laughs> I like it. I like the idea of a film diet. You know, it me. I, while I've been trying to be a film critic, I uh, started pitching out to different magazines because that's how you earn your bread and butter doing this thing. And I thought about contacting Slimming World magazine to say, can I be your film nutritionist? <laughs> Do you think they'll buy it? There should be a job. You could, could try, yeah. Maybe keep, I try. Try. Keep, keep those ideas coming, Laurie. Well, listeners, what's your film diet? Sorry, I'm George Clooney. <laughs> what, listeners, what is your film diet? Uh, tell me, is, is there anything you think you're overindulging in? Yeah, it'd be interesting to hear what people are just stuck in. You know, some people just get stuck in a rut. They get addicted to sugary foods. And, yeah, yeah. And yeah. are there any particular you know, films that are so strong that they can be completely left out of a diet because you and I do not consume horror films. You know, like lactose intolerance, you know. Exactly. Mm, can yeah. you go gluten-free? This is, this is, cool, this is a rich This metaphor is so rich. Oh, it's deep. I can't think of too many enjoyable ways to intro uh, life to you, Ewan. What, like, as in actual life? 
living, dying, all that stuff, getting that, married. That uh, DVD series starring David Attenborough. <laughs> <laughs> no, come on, it's not worth it. Listen, I went to see Life, which is a space movie describing itself as a horror kind of horror thriller mystery thing. Oh, you mean uh, Alien? Well, do I mean Alien? Let's find out. It stars Jake Gyllenhaal, Ryan Reynolds, Rebecca Ferguson. Is she the one from Mission Impossible 5? Yeah, that's right. I really liked her in it. She played the female spy, sort of, that Tom Cruise sort of likes. And then they have a weird platonic hug at the end. Do you remember that? It's a funny yeah, no moment in the film. Um, but that's, that's a big cast. Also, Hiroyuki Sanada, who you won't recognise the name of, but he's one of the most sort of distinguishable Japanese actors. He's in The Last Samurai. as uh, Oh, what's his name? I can't remember. The, I wish I could remember his name, but he, he hates Tom Cruise to begin with. Is he the one who follows him around? Bob? No, no, he's not Bob. No, no, he's the guy who's really angry at him for most of it. And he's in a TV series called Helix quite recently as well. Anyway, it's a stellar cast. I mean, that's an unbelievable cast. It is big names all around, isn't it? Jay Gyllenhaal especially. And, you know, straight up, this is written by Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick. Do those names mean anything to you? No, but are you going to tell me why? Well, have a guess. Why does it matter to me? You were, no, there's no way you know that. They didn't write, like, uh, that Daniel Radcliffe film, did they? No, they wrote Deadpool film. Uh, they did are the they? geniuses. The geniuses of cinema behind Deadpool which I think explains Ryan Reynolds presence in this film and to be honest I think it explains the film here are two writers who had a runaway success that the studios were against uh, that fans seem to love it's the highest grossing movie ever I think R-rated movie have you seen that yeah yeah it's something like 762 million dollars it's unbelievable money Everyone said, oh, it's going to be nominated for an Oscar. Who are you kidding, people who thought that? I thought it was terrible. I thought it was reprehensible, as we all know. You didn't um, see the I film, thought man. It belied, I thought it belied a lack of any actual sort of talent or ability. And this film, Life, is the most average film I think I've ever seen with such a high budget. This film is gorgeously presented. There are astronauts on the International Space Station who manage to use a robotic arm to find a satellite that's flying towards them that has samples on it from somewhere outside it in the universe. They collect the samples, put them in a lab, and then they find life. They find a single-celled organism in there, uh, and there's a British scientist called Hugh, played by Arayan Bakare, not a name I'm familiar with. I think he's done more TV. He sort of coaxes it to life, and he calls it Calvin. Cute little Calvin. What do you think? might happen i'm guessing either it corrupts one of the passengers of the international space station like a host kind of thing yeah or it's kind of like a, one of these things which keeps on growing and then it grows and grows and grows until they can't contain it anymore so it's interesting i mean you've only given two options and yet you've hit the nail on the head instantly with one of them which one do you think it was i think it's more likely to be well i think the alien route they wouldn't want to copy that would they Alien, yeah, I think they would. I think they'll copy Alien almost so in, beat for in, beat. In fact, I think they won't introduce any new ideas. Oh, I think no. They won't introduce any good dialogue. I think they won't introduce any memorable characters. I think they won't bother with a good score. I think they won't do anything that hasn't been done before. How did this film get made? Should we have a clip? Yeah. All right, let's have this science guy, Hugh, interacting with little Calvin, who is now a kind of like starfish-looking thing, translucent starfish thing, and it gets a little bit too friendly. Oh. Ready. Lowering oxygen, more carbon dioxide. You sure it won't hurt it? It's a very, very low voltage. Look how fast it's growing. Every single cell is a muscle cell and a nerve cell. All muscle, all brain. It's in between my fingers. It's not letting go. Can I make a suggestion? Can I just go in there and get him? No, you're not going to go in there. No, of course you're not, because I have to maintain quarantine. No, I can do this. I can. I can can do this, Sam. 
angle. No, you're not. Get your goddamn hand off me. What are you gonna do? Don't open the door. Oh, the kettle's on. Oh, sorry. That was the little logo sound effect at the end there. The little noise but yeah i mean it sounds kind of scary doesn't it you said the sound design was intense when we were listening to it it sounded loud and kind of busy and which is kind of what you want in a claustrophobic environment you want lots of sound or maybe you don't i don't know i'm not a sound designer yeah listeners go and see alien that's what i would say about this film you are a huge fan of alien i think alien is really brilliant i think it's really brilliant this film this film is i just can't you know there's few films that actually make me angry and you maybe if you watch this listeners or you've already seen it you'd be surprised that i'm angry but i just think in a world where everyone would love to be in the film industry where there are so many story writers with amazing ideas there are so many talented writers so many talents out there who could make films that could be really, really enjoyable. Why are you giving $60 million to these hacks to write or for, for this screenplay? Uh, who looked at this screenplay and thought there's something new here? No one did. Absolutely nobody did. I think it's uh, the direction is incredibly pedestrian. It's this guy, Daniel Espinosa, I haven't seen a lot of. He did Child 44. Do you remember that? No. Nope. That's a British production a while back. I think he adds, he doesn't offer anything in the scenes which are supposed to be tense there's nothing there's nothing in the camera work or the editing or the structure that makes me feel nervous i didn't feel nervous at all i could predict everything that happened nothing happens that you don't expect the only sort of little moment of class is right at the beginning when they catch this satellite with the samples in it with the robotic arm it appears to be one long shot floating around the space station and i thought well that's clever coordination the astronauts genuinely appear to be floating and doing things in real time that must have been complicated to film after that point there's nothing I just, I'm almost, I almost don't have anything to say because this film is one big nothing. It's one big dose of nothing. Yeah, I, that's a, that's disappointing. Jake Gyllenhaal, I'm a big fan of his. I think he's an interesting actor, and he's not normally one to take on a role unless it's got something. This is interesting. what I mean. Like, what, who, what did they, what did these actors read when they signed up to it? They can't have read the script because it's so uninspired. All I can think of is there are these two hot guys who did Deadpool, and people think, well, they did Deadpool. Surely the next thing they write is going to be great. But Deadpool was a really lame um, sort of slacker comedy, wasn't it, right? This yeah. Sort of fourth wall stuff. This is supposed to be serious horror science fiction. It's got nothing. Do you think it was maybe a case of let's work with our friends, like let's just have six months or four months or whatever just on a job with your mates? Well, I'll tell you what I did do, and this is really mean-spirited, so I do apologise. It, it did make me angry, like I said, because I just think there's so much out there that won't get made because people like this are getting the shots. Mm. Uh, but but they, these guys are executive producers as well which tends to mean money. Um, they contribute to the budget. So in my head, I've already built up a picture of people who are rich enough to get into the film world, not talented enough to be there. Um, and yeah, oh. that's how I feel. That's how I feel. Okay, I want to round off this review because <laughs> otherwise people are going to get sick of hearing me and we need to squeeze in other things as well. But can I end it with um, the review that I sent to the Kermode and Mayo film show, which got read out? Did it? Yeah. I got uh, hey, a Laurie, you got for the world. The thing was, Simon Mayo didn't seem to enjoy reading it out. <laughs> oh, no. I think it's not very well worded. So you tell me what you think of this, Phil. Here we okay. go. Shall, shall I see if I can play the clip? I'm sure they'd let us do that, wouldn't they? Well, we're friends with the BBC, aren't we? Mm, yeah. I mean, we are. Very we're small. BBC Oxford. Like not a little, so much little ant in the corner. <laughs> five live. I sat in front of Mark Kermode when I was watching Kong Skull Island. Could You're kind of buddies. You're like in the... Yeah, we're yeah, mates. <laughs> Let's let's play that clip and uh, just so I'll do that to round off the review. Listeners, I would give this a, um, actually I would give it a D. 
It's co- it, the, the CGI is great. It's competently filmed, but the film is worthless, in my opinion. Empty space. Completely empty and meaningless. In space. So it's a D. Okay, here's the clip. And yeah, I'm not sure it's my best work, actually, Phil. I was, uh, I was writing it on the fly, and I was surprised it got read out. I think you'll be surprised it got read out <laughs> when, when you hear them read it out. So here you go. Okay. Laurie, oh, I, Laurie in Oxford. I saw life this morning. I found it deeply philosophical. I left pondering the temporal nature of the cinematic arts. Uh, Shall we go to the cinema this evening? Sure, what should we see? Well, I'm not that interested in the kids' films. Lost City of Zed sounds a bit serious. How about sci-fi in the alleged vein of Ridley Scott's Alien? Okay, that sounds like a possible way to spend (laughs) it. The alleged vein. Uh, And it sure is. Uh, Maybe it'll even be over in time for a late delicious supper back home. Yet in the timeless world of cinema, the realm in which Kurosawa, Scorsese, Fellini, indeed Werner Herzog live, this must surely be consigned to the dustbin of the utterly weightless, helplessly frivolous, mind-numbingly uninspired and alarmingly budgeted and that bin That's very good and that bin is overflowing very good i cannot understand what such a stellar intelligent cast except maybe ryan reynolds saw in such a low wattage mediocre script with no unique ideas no interesting dialogue and not even a hint of written talent life is aptly named it is a meaningless void that consumes almost two hours of it, so don't give it yours. Okay. Yours baffled and disappointed, Laurie and Oxford. But you enjoyed it more than that. I enjoyed it more than that. I enjoyed it more than Zed. Yes, that's, uh, that's interesting. So I, I think put it above Zed and you put Zed above Life. Yeah, think- okay, let's do some emails and tweets. We've got quite a few to catch up in, so I'll go as quickly as I can. Ready? Yes. Blitz through. All right, Grace got in touch ages ago and said, at Real Hugh Chapman, at Wolverine Movie, at 20th Century Fox, have you seen this at Super Baby Bros? Question mark, exclamation mark. Okay, she was asking if we'd seen Logan. Now, I, now, Phil, I mean, I was on paternity leave, so I wasn't really handling Twitter. I thought you might take up the mantle. <laughs> sorry. Phil. You did not. Sorry, sorry. Um, but Grace, I'm not sure. Are you asking us whether we've seen it or are you asking them whether they've seen, seen our, <laughs> our review? Because if you're asking us whether we've seen it, yes, we have. And we reviewed it a couple of episodes ago. I think we both liked it, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Yeah, it was, uh, it was refreshingly a bit different. Yeah, exactly. Keep letting us know your thoughts on Logan listeners. It's be- you know, l- films over the last two weeks might be a good chance for you guys to catch up as much as us for, for us to have a break. So let us know your thoughts. Alison got in touch and said, at Super Belly Bros, IMDb introduces the F rating to celebrate women in film. Have you heard about this? No, I haven't at all. No. Any thoughts on that? Well, so basically, is it something which you can give to a film if you think it represents women well? I guess so, yeah. So the F is for feminism? As female, who knows? Yeah. Okay. Uh, interesting. I think it might be used in a frustrating way because who's uh, to judge whether or not it's good for females? Yeah, I I'm not sure I'm on board with that. I you know I can see why it's been done, but women don't need their own special score. <laughs> that's kind of my thoughts on it, and I, I think that's a bit patronising. That's my opinion. It makes IMDb look great, though, doesn't it? Because they got a lot of press for supporting women. Mm, uh, but then maybe some people will find it helpful. I think it is worth noting when a film does have uh, good female characters that aren't just revolving in a man's world. I think that is genuinely something which is worthy of praise and good uh, because I think lots of men dominate the film industry and and lots of films are about men. So it's not that I'm against that. I think the idea of it being used on a website, I'm not sure about how it would work. Well, I don't know. I mean, I would hope, as you say, it's done very, very well, but my gut feeling is that that's just a bit of another media splashy thing yeah a couple of news articles about imdb yeah let's hope not okay david samuel got in touch hey bros i really enjoyed the bonus last week as well as the whole show thank you but it made me think of a time of my life i'm not sure what he's referring to yet we'll get to it i was incredibly keen on figuring out how i could get to the stage of turning up at lunch and having enough charisma and rapport with the dinner ladies that i could stroll up and say afternoon wendy i'll have my usual thanks (laughs) this is you your bonus when you're talking about like how how you become 
become friendly with the bar people getting uh, free coffees and stuff like uh, like the movie people do they go up and they say hey charles give me a that's it bars in films are always the same and just as unrealistic yeah i was 11 years old he says and had incredibly fussy tastes so my usual would have been grated carrot lettuce no tomato and tuna mayonnaise mm, very discerning <laughs> uh, this desire has stayed with me to adult life without bearing any fruit in reality instead i continually have awkward conversations with baristas and cafeteria staff having to spell out my eccentric wants <laughs> i love the podcast chaps and the broads will be the most glamorous event of the century here's a picture the century oh thanks for the picture david good <laughs> thanks to hear for the from picture you. david yeah i don't think there's any secret to getting to remember your original your original your order just talk to them that's it and especially <laughs> just, if just you, be a really charming guy if you order a fussy coffee that's a good way in i've been dazzling people with my knowledge of noisettes recently phil I think they probably don't like you then. I think they do because I get free coffees. <laughs> Proof is in the pudding, mate. It shouldn't be this way. It's unfair. <laughs> uh, you can't get away with which, this. If you've not had a noisette, Costa tries to make them as Cortados. And, you know, obviously they're listening to me, Phil. I should be getting a consultancy fee because Costa's advertising all around Oxford at the moment is for the Cortado. Have a look. You'll see it. Okay. Uh, but listeners, try that out if you're a coffee Cortado. fan. Cortado. Well, Cortados are okay. Basically, you ask, you want to hear this? This is how I get my free coffees. Say, give me, give me a double espresso and can I have hot milk, but leave the foam off. Leave the foam out. And then make a little joke about it. I've already thought of a joke of what I'm going to say when I try a Cortado and I don't like it. Do you want to try it? Cortado don't. Good. That's really good. See, that I might remember that. And then you'll be quids in, mate. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. Uh, Esther got in touch at Super Belly Bros. Just finished watching Amy... A lot of sad faces. Mm, yeah, very much so. Good that, documentary, really good documentary. I've heard a lot of good things. I think I've still got it recorded, actually. You need to watch it's, it. It's shockingly personal. I think that's the thing, which is you feel a bit uncomfortable by the fact that doc- documentary guys have that footage. Yeah, I bet. You were, were, were a bit worried because it seemed one-sided or something? Um, I'm trying to remember. It's a while. It's a long time ago. I think it's always a bit worrying when you've got uh, a filmmaker interpreting life real life and real life relationships and sort of saying that they knew better than the people involved in the life yeah that's always a bit it's a bit messy and a bit uncomfortable i think it's a bit harsh to judge people in hindsight isn't it yeah there we go okay moving on confucius got in touch dear super bailey bros congratulations to super bailey laurie and judith for the new addition to the super bailey bros thank you very much he's doing very very well that's my little boy just in case that made no sense we had a son two weeks ago he goes on lego batman i chuckled i enjoyed seeing the huge in quotes cast i appreciated the humor to be honest i enjoyed lego batman a lot more than the lego movie but still i don't think i will ever go back to watch it again it's just too much talking constant on your ear talking on your ear talking obviously will arnett's batman's low voice is a lot easier on your ears compared to chris pratt's emmett voice what i didn't know it was chris pratt do you remember that he's the he's talking about the main guy from the lego movie oh yeah i thought that was you saying what i didn't know it was chris pratt no no he's i'm doing the what that he is in brackets <laughs> okay. uh which wears you out after sitting through the entire movie he does do the fast talking thing doesn't he yeah a little bit but it's not it's not i don't think it's a bad thing well, he's ended it with a so dot 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 plus one to Laurie. So why? Go. Well, no, no, no. Read that. E- the, read the start of that email again. Uh, he says, "I chuckled, I enjoyed it, but to be honest, I'm oh, no, mm, obviously. Oh no, he doesn't really say anything. Oh, here we go. Yeah, it's too much talking, constant on the ear talking. But no, read the start of that email again. What did he say? I chuckled, about the film? I enjoyed seeing the huge cast. What are you talking about? That's what he says. I enjoyed the Lego Batman more than the Lego movie. You enjoyed it. Yeah, whatever. What are you okay, talking about? He carries on. The Great Wall. You're I came down the out, middle. That's, not, that's not a positive either way, We've got to keep going. We've got to keep moving. I came out feeling, wow, it was colourful indeed. This is about the Great Wall. Brackets, Zhang's trademark. This is the hero director. He loves the bright colours. I said they look a bit like Power Rangers. They really do. <laughs> but I did have that subtle feeling of, I just spent two hours of my life that I can't take back. 
I agree with you, Confucius. Mm. Hero is a better film in every way by comparison. Plus one again to Laurie. I'm enjoying these. <laughs> uh, lots of love from the most faithful fan, the wise man from the East. Have I, am I just like crashing and burning? Have I just lost my touch? Am I, I just need completely... to total them up, the plus ones. But yeah. Am I just completely lost? I've lost the people. I think Beauty and the Beast is probably not going to do you any favours. Maybe I should just stop this thing. Maybe you should just go <laughs> solo, man. No, that is not a good idea. Uh, okay, um... Alistair at Super Belly Bros are you guys back next week and have you had your baby yet we are we were back next week I think Alistair by that point and I have had my baby yet yes I voted for you in the best British podcast awards poll online thank you oh, very much oh that's so kind that's super kind this is listeners the I think it's the British podcast awards.com and you can go to the listeners choice theme there and type in Super Belly Bros and vote for us we would love it if you did that obviously don't if you don't want to <laughs> yeah we, we're not we're not in pity votes we want votes that you feel are genuine but yeah that's right we're amazed genuinely amazed by those people who have voted for us yes. in that category because we did not see that coming at all that's really kind yeah yeah and you can find the link on twitter uh, alistair has very kindly posted it up there for us pj got in touch and said at super bailey bros just caught up on the moonlight review seeing it this evening hey phil are you ready for this phil yeah he says in quotes very unique times three question mark surely unique or not hashtag pedant qc well, is he getting across at me because i use words poorly that's too broad i think he's highlighting a unique instance let's say of you using the word unique more than once either it's unique or it isn't was his thing so you know i just you know that's what he said well it is quite unique i think what's unique i'm confused (laughs) (laughs) i'm not smart enough for this show anymore but he does then go on to say phil don't worry finally caught it up very good agree with the review by phil of the super belly bros that it's like a poem there you go. Good. Phew. Maybe really I'm not too- Unique, unique, unique. <laughs> <laughs> unique New York. Unique New York. That's Anchorman, isn't it? Okay, final new email this week, and then we'll finish off the cons who had other things to add. Uh, this one is from Johnny Valentine. Hi, Phil. And Dad Mark too. Not my dad, but you know what I mean. I was wondering... That's me, by the way. Because <laughs> you're a Dad Mark yeah, too. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, we're Laurie and Phil for this section. George <laughs> and you and have disappeared. I was wondering if you guys have ever deliberately said things slightly wrong to get a reaction out of fans of something. I'm, I'm certain that you have, Phil, already, without his examples. Here he goes. For example, I'm not a huge fan of Star Wars, but actually enjoyed the latest. Sorry to bring it up again. That's Rogue One. So I sometimes try to say things slightly wrong to fans to try and get a bite my friend and i were joking around with this and came up with some examples for example getting famous quotes wrong it's the trap (laughs) use some force use some force use some force is great that's very good and (laughs) i've got an unusual feeling about this (laughs) yeah i hear i see what you're doing there johnny uh or getting people's names wrong chew hacker (laughs) my favorite here is luke skystrider i can imagine someone saying that uh princess leela uh r2 dean 2 uh, Siegfried Pillow, which I don't understand. Oh, C3PO. <laughs> Siegfried Pillow. Pizza the Hut. Andrew Calrissian. <laughs> Andrew Calrissian. Andrew Calrissian is that. Maybe that's my favourite. I can really imagine was that. It, was it Judith who called uh, Hans Solo Hans Solo? She thought he was called Hans, yeah. That's Hans, right. Hans. I can see how that mistake gets made. <laughs> it's pretty funny. But she never did that deliberately, to my knowledge, anyway, unless she's secretly chuckling away. Uh, or putting the emphasis, he says, on the wrong part of names, like Ben Kennedy <laughs> and Mace Windu. Mace Windu. Mace Windu. I genuinely find putting the emphasis on the wrong syllable is a classic gag anyway. Yeah, I agree there, Johnny. I have a whole bonus about the word Toblerone and the myriad ways that can be pronounced. Toblerin. Toblerin, yes. Toblerone. Toblerone. Or talk about your favourite moments. Just wrong. I just love the banter between Dan and Huey. (laughs) What? Uh, The best battle is the battle in the snow, beginning of the Empire Strike Back. (laughs) Strike Back. I love that. Empire Strike Back. (laughs) 
Oh, uh, man. You can do it with other fan franchises. Fan franchise is the key, I think. You need to get to the passionate fans <laughs> who already care, like us. <laughs> that would have to be. Uh, and he said, like the Avengers, for example, or Harry Potter. Yeah, oh, Lord yeah, of the Rings yeah. is another absolute classic. Maybe you guys could have a section for the best wrong ways of saying things. <laughs> I don't know that we're creative enough to come up with them. Those are good ones, though. I like those, Johnny. Yeah, listeners, if you do that, then send us yours. Uh, a bit of a random email, he says. Not much to do with film. More about how to get some giggles out of winding a good friend up. If you do want to wind up somebody, here's my little tip. You know yes. people say, like, oh, hashtag, blah, blah, blah. Just put the hashtag after the thing. <laughs> like, in text or in, you say it, you know, like, oh, money, hashtag. Have you done this? I haven't tried it out, but I've heard that about it. That is a it. good idea. It's good, isn't it? It's sort of <laughs> intentionally. Intentionally annoying. just get, And the thing is, it's, <laughs> it's not big enough to big it up. That's very good, man. I, I can see that working. You've, you have lots of these things. Like, you used, to, <laughs> you used to tell just lies. I did, yeah. That was fun. Lying is really fun when it's not about things. What was the thing you made up about friends? I convinced, I convinced uh, one of my friends that uh, the actor, David Schwimmer, who plays Ross on Friends, and Jennifer Aniston... We're actually having a baby, like together in real For life. Real. And uh, I did. What was bad about that one is I didn't correct the lie. Like I let it stew for like a good six <laughs> months. That was bad. Yeah, but, but it spread. Yeah. It, well, the thing was, it was planted there, and I wonder if it came up in just over oh, the course of things. And d- didn't you do the thing about the lake house as well? That was always one of my favorites. Oh, the other. That's that's a game. That's um, some of my friends from America. They they told me about this game. They got me with this game. This is where you start describing the lake house, but as if you can't remember what the film is to somebody who does clearly know what the film would be. And then this is how it went. It's like, what's that film with uh, uh, Keanu Reeves in? Um, and it's there's something about um, like there's time travel involved or something like that. And I was like, it's the lake house. <laughs> and, and they're like, no, no. Um, Sandra Bullock, I think, is in it. I was like, that's the lake house. That's definitely the lake house. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like there's a the dog and they're writing letters to each other. <laughs> that's the lake house. Like I, I just did not they cotton got you on. Good, man. And it's a really funny film. It's a very sophisticated game. I have to say, is you there need, any work with the lake house, do you think? I think, I think it, the lake house is such a, like a specific film that it just, <laughs> I don't know, it just works. It works. Listen, we love the wind-ups, especially when they're good ones, good natured especially. So let us know if you've got your own. And he closes off the email brilliantly. May the force be among you. <laughs> <laughs> very very good okay and we'll close off with the other bits from the Khans email who got in touch about Beauty and the Beast oh and I'm wrong actually everything from the Khans was about the rewards so we will cover <laughs> Save that, that for next, uh, week. next week thank you very much everyone for getting in touch oh I'm wrong there's one tiny tiny one left Alistair says that's super very saw King Kong thought the mobster effects were brilliant but the acting a bit patchy Tom Hiddleston not great yes I agree with you Alistair and he corrects so I don't need to he says sorry man monster effects not mobster oh <laughs> right Although, I thought <laughs> I was picturing like there's a gangster scene I like, like the idea like, of mobster uh, effects King though. Kong you want to, who's the king around here <laughs> I could have given it a bit of needed pep to be honest there pep. you go pep listeners keep your thoughts coming superbellybros at gmail.com at superbellybros on twitter thank you so much Thanks very much. Cheers. So, you and did you enjoy being on the Super Baby Bros show? Yes. Great being a celebrity on the Super Baby Bros. Personally, I Celeb loved it. edition. Yeah, I loved it. I'm going to go and drink myself a Nespresso uh, in a minute or two because that's yep. what I do on George Clooney. And go hang out with Brad Pitt and Matt Damon. Exactly. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. Uh, listeners, we really hope you enjoyed this special celebrity edition of the Super Baby Bros show. You can email Laurie and Phil on superbaileybros at gmail.com or at superbaileybros on Twitter. 
do let them know your thoughts on uh, Beauty and the Beast. What did we watch? Power Rangers and Life. Yeah, that's right. And look out for the rewards next show. This is your final chance to send in any nominations or any thoughts or anything to do with that award show. Yep. Do you have a listen to the little mini show that uh, Phil and Laurie released last week? Uh, you can check it out and Laurie reads out the nominations there. I the do. He does. Yes, that's right. <laughs> of course, don't forget their Patreon page as well. Patreon.com slash Bros. if you're interested in supporting the show from as little as something like $2 a month, I think it is. Uh, they would really appreciate even tiny sums. We promise we won't do these things. We, we will <laughs> donate huge amounts of money to them because we're film stars. <laughs> we, we need to stop this gimmick, man. This, you're not helping. <laughs> Sorry. It's a celebrity show. It's how you get the big numbers. Oh, how right. you get the big yeah. attention. Come on. Sorry. Up your game. Ewan's not happy All right. with it. Tune in next week for a non-celebrity version <laughs> of the show where Laurie and Phil will be producing again. I'm, I'm, I'm being on it, yeah. Okay, have a great week. Chat to you later. Laurie, I happened to be at a talent show today. Did you really? Yeah, no, no joke. I saw a talent show, saw some talented people doing talented things. Imagine. I was just curious, what would your talent be to just really show yourself off? On stage? Yeah. To have to be on stage? Yeah. That is a tough question, Phil. I've done things before, you know, in front of people that have gone down quite well. I'm going to say you can't use guitar, no guitar. Can I use a computer? How would you use a computer? Well, before when I was advertising something, I did an interview with Frank Sinatra using his song lyrics. Can oh, I do something like that? What, so you do kind of a comedy routine with uh, little choppy jup bits and bobs? Yeah, I mean, I can't promise anyone would actually laugh, <laughs> but I could do the thing. I think sometimes people are just willing to laugh, though. Maybe you'd get a couple of laughs out of it. But well, what would you do? Well, I don't know. Like, I, I was thinking about it, and I was thinking, oh, man, I've got no talents. Like, I, I'm okay drawing occasionally, but it's not really something which you could do on a talent show. And I was thinking, I've got no no showable talents really to to, to exhibit. That's probably not true. I can do uh, like crazy things with my shoulders and yeah, well, my tongue. Uh, this as well. is the thing I was thinking about you, and I like because you're my brother. I know I know what you can do, and yeah. I've seen you do your weird like Jar Jar Binks arms things, and <laughs> yeah. I've seen you lick your elbow oh, and like can be done. Flip your tongue round and all all sorts. Like you've got crazy amounts of abilities. They're not really stage worthy though. But then I still think there's something there. There's something I wish a bit I could juggle. That's what I wish I could <laughs> juggle. Do. I stood in front of a garage door for about an hour trying to force myself to juggle. It just didn't happen. I feel sad about it. You've always always lacked the juggle. Yeah, come on, you must have some kind of talent. Well, the only thing I can think of is got like a double jointed thumb. Yeah, thing. that's no good. <laughs> just <laughs> going to get you on the get you in front of the quarters of the Queen's variety performance. Yeah, thing. like it's nothing. But then I think I've got quite a loud clap, which we've already discussed on the. That is, that's good. You do have a loud but then clap. That's, that's, that's more. That's more something which is good if you just do it and then people notice it. What's but... your talent? It's a good question. You, why don't we go and do? We could do this show, Phil. We could do a double do, act. Just do, <laughs> just do Super Baby Bros Live. You might, I, I have thought about doing a Super Baby Bros Live. Do you think that would just be terrible? I don't know, man. What I would we even do? I'm worried that I wouldn't be slick enough. I struggle enough as a pre-recorded show. <laughs> I think the thing is, the pressure of performance really works. I mean, Phil, you know I have had to sing and play guitar, which is why you said I can't do it. Uh, for real, like I did it at the Jericho Tavern in front of a proper audience and everything. Yeah. And there is a weird thing that happens to you when you have to do it. Needs must. Yeah, exactly. The show and must so go it on. Takes, it, literally, that's really genuinely true. <laughs> and you take over and you just do it. You, just, you do things you never thought you could do. It's like athletes who always get their personal bests at the Olympics <laughs> and stuff. Because this, the moment gets to them. It's genuinely true you think i'm like you think i'm sort of no I, up. I, really I think i think there are times when i have had to step it up and just do it so you would maybe but then you would also, be like just an amazing gymnast what if i what <laughs> if you I went out there yeah maybe just start doing flips you, you could know, just do, I've got to do springs and things <laughs> yeah maybe you just need to put me under a bit of pressure then but well, now
Not, not, not now. I can't handle it now. I choke. <laughs> That's no good at all. I'll do it someday. You love that kind of thing. I can't handle the pressure. What I will say, though, is watching this talent show, watching these people do these talents and things like that, my heart couldn't take it. Oh, really? I was, I was dying inside, you know, watching just the, the, just the mere potential that they might crash and burn uh, was killing me. That's a very me. empathetic soul you But have like, there. no, but it wasn't, it wasn't like a happy empathetic thing. Like, oh, I'm reaching out to them. It was like, I just, I didn't want to be associated with them at all. I couldn't even bear to be in the room I with the idea of them failing. J- Judith often says this. If I go on BBC Radio Oxford to do something, she is more nervous than I am. Just at the mere fear <laughs> that I might run out of words or oh, something. It's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. And do you remember our sister-in-law also said that she feels like that when our older brother tells jokes? <laughs> really? Do you remember this? <laughs> no, I didn't know that. So he funny. made up jokes and uh, she she was terrified of the punchline coming because she knew she wasn't going to be able to laugh enough. <laughs> do you not remember this? That's a whole different kettle of fish though. That's okay. like, oh, that's just torture. We'll leave that there then. Is she that... that is she that one from Impossible? Is she? <laughs> this is going to be the people. Oh, this is so annoying. Is she the one from Mission Impossible Five? Um, I don't think I even followed really what you meant. No, I don't think anyone did. <laughs> That's kind of what I wanted to say again. Was that it? You just exited. No, 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 no. I'm taking my time to respond. Uh, that's loads of good stuff. We're looking forward to uh, hearing about the rewards doing the awards. <sighs> <Hold on. laughs> 